Hey everyone, it's Ryan Smith. Hope you guys are doing well today. Welcome back to the Threadcast here um, for Common Thread, where we dive a little deeper into different uh, passages or conversations and try to challenge each other and what that means to live fuller in a life with Christ. And so, if you're new to this, we are in a series of Romans. We're getting close to the end, and we're actually in the middle of Romans because we've actually uh, we started. At the back of Romans, covered the back half of Romans, and then came back to the front half, and now we're right in the middle, the the, the big chunks, the meaty part of 5 through 8. And the theme of this has been replacing power and privilege with peace, and we we recognize as we've gone through this study that, that Paul is speaking to the specific church in Rome that's made of two groups of people, the Gentile Christians and the Jew Christians. He's not referring to all Gentiles. He's not refer, referring to all Jews when he talks about in these passages. He's referring to the specific Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians there in Rome that are making up the church. And they are in a big squabble, and they are fighting over who's in power, and the way that life has always been is you replace power with more power, and whoever has the most power has the privilege. And Paul says, no, that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that we are going to replace power and privilege with peace, and that we are going to live out our faith in a way that speaks boldly, that how we interact with the people around us, and that includes the outside world, how we interact with the outside world through peace, and how we interact with each other through peace is vital. And so um, he has sections where he talks about how to deal with the people in the community. But right now, um, in this section, he is diving deep into what it means to live communally, what it means to live as one. And um, the first uh, the first four chapters of Romans, we talked about this idea that, that Paul was trying to, to level the playing field. He was trying to bring the Jewish Christians, who he calls weak later on in Romans, uh, he's trying to bring them to a humble state to let them know that just because you follow the Torah and you've done all these things, it doesn't mean um, that you have a better place than the, than the Gentile Christians. And so he spends first four chapters trying to level the playing ground. He's he, you know, the end of four. He's talking about this idea that we're all sinners, right? All this kind of stuff, but but that we're united because of what Christ does. And so this this first section of chapter five and, and five through eight. I'm just going to say this real quick. Five through eight has a ton of meat in it. It has a ton of depth. It has a ton of theology. It has a ton of things that we're just not going to end up uh, being able to cover all of it, to be honest. And so um, I'd love to challenge you to, over these next few weeks, to be just reading 5 through 8, Romans 5 through 8, 5 through 8, 5 through 8, 5 through 8, just knock it out left and right. And and as you do, um, if there's something that sticks out to you that you want us to cover in this threadcast, please message me, let me know, and we'll make sure and cover it in this, in this section. But for today, all I want to do is is I want to focus on the first five verses of chapter five because you see um, chapter five begins the the crux of what he wants. Here's he's saying, okay, you guys you guys need to live together. You guys are one. You guys are equal. No one's greater than the other. And so now chapter five he begins to build this picture. He begins to build this this um, design this. Um, chart, if you will, of how they are going to do this and what it looks like, what it feels like, what it's going to um, be like to be this unified group of people of peace. And he starts with the state of who they are and why they are where they are. (laughs) I don't know if that made sense to you, 
but he starts off with this statement, and we're just going to go through this, kind of dissect it as we go, um, verses 1 through 5, because there is such incredible beauty in these five verses. So he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. And so remember the word justified is we've, we've been made right. We've been bought. We've been bought and and we've been made right because of our faith or actually through faith, right? And so as we talked about earlier, that faith is kind of twofold. It's the faith of Christ to fulfill his thing. It's the, and it's our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. And so, so we are made right with God. We're justified. We are made whole. We are bought at a price. Um, because of faith, and because of that, he goes on, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Now, before you apply that to yourself, remember who is hearing this. It's Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. And to both of them, to have to have that concept of to have peace with God just doesn't make sense, right? Because the Gentile Christians came from a Roman and Greek background, and so they were they knew well the Roman and Greek gods, and the Roman and Greek gods were gods of war and gods of, of anger and were jealous, and that humans were never at peace with God, that the humans were always trying to fulfill what the gods' whims were, and that they were always trying um, to to make to please those gods. And so to be at peace with a divine was unique. It was unheard of. And the Jewish Christians who grew up with the Torah and wanted to live out the Torah, and there's 560, 600 what rules, 600 word rules in the Torah of how to live, and every day worrying about which one am I doing, which one have I broken, which one am I doing wrong, what do I do now, what do I do? do we? And so the, the concept of peace with God didn't even make sense to them. And so Paul says, because you have been justified through faith, you are at peace with God. You no longer have to worry. You no longer have to check off a list. You no longer have to do this. You no longer have to do that. You no longer have to say this. You know, you, you are simply at peace with God through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sit in that for a moment. What does it mean for you to be at peace with God? That you no longer have to battle. You no longer have to worry. You no longer have to to be angry at the things around you. But that you have peace with the creator of the universe. And then in verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith. All right. So we have been justified through Jesus by faith to God. We are at peace with God. So we have gained access. Now this gained access is temple language, okay? This was language that the Jewish Christians and even the Gentile Christians would have recognized because uh, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, and then even the Jewish God, Yahweh, had a temple. 
They had a temple and they understood that the concept of the temple is that only those of the holiest of holies could get into the very inner sanctum of the temple. And that um, usually there was priests or prophets or whatever it might be that had access to that. But you could never make it in. You might make it to, to one layer, but you could never make it to the other, right? And this language of gained access um, that we'll later see in other books in Corinthians and stuff that Paul writes is that he talks about this idea of temple language, right? And, and we know, we've heard the concept that our body is a temple. And I want to remind you what's so beautiful about that is if you look at the Jewish temple, the the, the, the temple that was made for God that stood in Jerusalem for so long, that was created by King David, there's actually five or six layers of this temple, okay? And um, what was kind of interesting is that each of these different layers, uh, different groups of people were allowed into each one, but each one of them had a specific name. And it was in the Greek, but um, when you take those words and you translate it into the English, all five or six of those names would just simply be translated into temple. We don't have... Um, we don't have uh, the language that references those different layers of the concept of temple. And so when Paul, in his letters, references that we are the temple of God, you know which word he chooses? He chooses the word naos. And the word naos was the holy of holies. That of all the different words he could have chosen to represent that we are the body, that we are the temple of God, he says, you are the holy of holies. You are the place where God lived. You're the place where God settled. And only the high priest could go into that place. But now you have gained access. You are the holy of holies. By faith again, remember again, it's not because you've earned it. It's not because you've done anything great. It's not because you've memorized the, you know, the Old and New Testament or you can say the Ten Commandments backwards, you know, whatever it is. It is simply you have gained access. You are the naos. You are the holy of holies by faith. So we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so remember, the, the idea of being justified, the idea of being sanctified, the idea of being righteous is not because of anything we do, but it's because of grace. And so Paul's reminding us that it's simply in grace. And here's the language that I think is so amazing. Here in grace in which we now stand. Now, I, I need you to, to use your imagination here, okay? And imagine this picture that he's painting. Put yourself there. He's saying that you have gained access to the holiest of holies, the place where God sits, where God stands, where God lives, where God is. And as you stand there, you know, sometimes you go into a place like that and you can imagine being in awe or you can imagine... Um, being um, humbled or, or being scared or fearful or seeing the power or what exists, that you're in this presence. But it says we have peace as we stand here. I know this is a horrible example, but um, one of my old favorite movies is, is you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I always imagine when those kids walk into that, that first room, you know, where, you know, he starts saying, come with me and you'll be, oh, I'm a horrible singer, aren't I? <laughs> um, but th that idea where he says, in a world of pure imagination, and they walk through the doors, 
And everything is made of candy. Everything has different color. Everything has different smells and tastes. And it's just amazing. And just the the joy and the peace that is on those kids' face and just how they, they, they first see it. And that's what he says about us is that we now stand in the presence of God with peace. That we have access to this place and we are not scared. We're not worried, but we are home. We are at rest. And then he goes on to say, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And so this idea is that, is that we, we know we are now the temple. We know we are now this, but we also hope is that, is that future tense, right? That we hope that the glory of God, which we know is not just going to be for us, but that it's going to be for everyone. That's going to engulf this new world. That, that in the end, the, what we are experiencing, what we have a glimmer of is going to be for eternity. And this is something that we boast about, that we don't hide from, that we are excited, right? You know, that, you know, those kids start running around in Willy Wonka land. They start eating and having fun and sharing it with each other and their, and their parent that's with them, right? That idea of, of living a life that you just have it so good that you just want everyone to experience it. And that's what he's talking about here. And then verse three says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. All right, so here he kind of makes a twist, it feels like, right? But remember, he's he's just referenced, we're at this place because of what Jesus did. And Jesus had to suffer for us to get there, right? But he says we glory, or there's idea, you can also use the word boast, in our sufferings, okay? That doesn't say we, we boast about our sufferings. And it also says, there's also this idea that, that when we boast in our sufferings, is there's this promise that sufferings will still happen, right? That even though you're at peace with God, that you will still experience sufferings, right? And so he says, but we'll glory in our sufferings because we know. We know. How do we know? We know because we've seen it through Christ and what Christ went through. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, it produces character. And character produces, here's that word again, hope. And so we go from suffering to hope, right? This idea that suffering produces hope. And here's what's interesting about this. And hope does not put us to shame. Now, why does he say this? Why would hope put us to shame? Why would we why would this be so crazy? Because here's the thing and this is the, the hardest part about this, I think, is that when you buy into Christ, that when you when you when you sell out and give yourself to Jesus, that you have hope beyond hope, that you believe that power and privilege can truly be replaced with peace, that it's not power, more power and more privilege that is going to take control and win the day. And so remember, the Jewish, Gentile, Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian would have heard this. 
and the Gentile Christian comes from the background where the greatest and strongest God was the one who won. Whoever's, whoever's army served the greatest God, they were the ones who won. And the Jewish, you know, were expecting Christ to be the king, like King David, and take on Rome and, and do it. But he's been crucified, and he's been hung, and he's been he's been killed in a way that's that that was so egregious and so humiliating. And what we're saying is that because of that, because our God, because of our, Jesus Christ, hung on a cross, naked, beaten, blooded, bludgeoned, spit upon. That because of that image, we have hope. And we are not ashamed of that. And so it's this idea that you embrace the concept of hope. Hope beyond hope. That when it doesn't make sense, that there's still something out there, right? Um, this is what Hannah Pickstone, you know, made that reference to is that, is that when it comes to the end, is it enough? And it, it doesn't feel like it says, well, it's not the end yet, right? I know I just butchered that quote. But it's this idea that my suffering and my pain and the, the, the atrocities that I see, that I experience, I still can boast in them and I can still have hope. Because of what Christ did. He says, Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, right? And so this is his answer as to how this all goes into it is that God, through his grace and mercy, gives us his love. And remember, his love is his essence, right? I mean, God is love. So he gives himself into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is all language. This is temple language, right? Can you see it? Can you see the naos being talked about here? This idea that, that you, that the Holy Spirit used to live in the Holy of Holies and the cloud would be there in the Holy of Holies, right? It would settle there. Um, but now it, it's, it's in our hearts. It's, it's in who we are that the Holy Spirit exists in us because it's been given to us as the most incredible gift because of Jesus' sacrifice. And because of that love and hope that lives in our hearts, we can boast. We can share. We can be joyous because of what has happened. And all of this that is, we've just gone over is what unites us, people. This is Jews, Gentiles, you, you, you people in Rome who keep bickering and fighting over what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, who's going to do what. Stop it because God's love is in you. And you stand in peace in the presence of the most powerful being that's ever, 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 ever been. And instead of being fearful, you're at peace. And so together we stand together. Together we are one. Together we will fight power and privilege with hope of peace. And all of this happens because of the sacrifice of Christ, right? 
this is, and this is what gets us into later on. And so that's what we talked about on Sunday. But I want you to just kind of sit in this for now. You know, the, the, the thing I challenged you with on Sunday was this idea is to write a paragraph about what the sacrifice of Jesus means to you. Um, and, and I still encourage you to, to wrestle with that. But also, as you, as you think about that, what does it mean for you to stand in the presence of God in peace? So that's individual, but how about corporate? How does this help you stand side by side with a person that just ticks you off, right? That just pisses you off, right? I mean, there's no other language you can use. There's someone that, that deserves to be beaten, deserves for their fingernails to be ripped out, right? You know, lime juice poured in their eyes. I don't know. You know, those, those people who've done those things, who said those things that have hurt you in ways that just doesn't make sense. What does this mean for you two? What does this mean for us to become one? What does it mean for us to stand with those that hurt us? And this is tough, but this, this is what God calls us to. This idea of not playing the game of power over power and gaining privilege because I carry a bigger stick. It means I bring into this world a presence of peace, a presence of love. So, I hope that gives you something to wrestle with. I hope it gives you imagery that you, that you can sit through and think through and um, love to, you know, there's not a distinct thing to do with this other than to just kind of respond. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, we'll try to get some conversation going on, on Faith Life this week. Um, I hope that your week is blessed and that you are full of peace. Have a great day. Grace and peace.